0: He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require from you, but to do justice, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Helen Keller was born in 1880, and for the first two years of her life, she was a pretty normal little girl. Um, just before two, she, uh, she she contracted this this really terrible illness, and as a result of the illness, she lost her sight and she lost her hearing. And so, from the age of two until she was a seven, she lived in complete darkness and complete silence. I I can't even imagine uh, a life without being able to see or hear anything. Uh, and as a result, Helen Keller kind of became known as this really wild angry child. Uh, she, was, she was uncontrollable. And, and you could understand, I mean, to be completely alone, to com- be completely isolated, to not be able to hear a thing or see a thing and, and live in darkness would, would just cause this deep anger and confusion, really not even having language fully formed before she lost the ability to hear and to see. She was an angry, angry child. And at the age of seven, her parents hired a teacher, uh, Ann Sullivan Macy. And Anne Sullivan Macy's job was to, to try and teach and, and calm Helen Keller down. And uh, you can imagine what kind of a monumental task that is to try and teach someone who doesn't even understand or can't understand the method that, that's being used to teach, right? Um, even Braille would make no sense, not knowing what these bumps were. And so she spent months um, trying to, to reach Helen and, and, and really to no avail and, and to frustration after frustration. And she began to try and associate touch with items and there was one moment in particular where she put a mug in Helen's hand and try and and create this sign on her hand for mug and um, Helen Keller didn't know what was going on and she took the mug and just threw it across the room smashing it into pieces. Um, The epiphany moment came when a- and Macy had uh, Helen Keller's hand under a tap of cold water, and she just kept signing over and over again this this, this symbol on her hand for water. And a light bulb went off, and, and all of a sudden Helen Keller was able to see uh, the the type of communication that was happening, and this type of language that was being taught to her. And and over the course of her life, they developed this amazing relationship where where she was her lifelong teacher, and and she was able to uh, to to be able to read basically by by eventually braille, but also uh, it. it you can see videos of it where the teacher um uh, Macy is able to sort of do these signs on her hand in the palm of her hand and and communicate with Helen Keller. And Helen Keller went on to get uh, to graduate from university and became the spokesperson for disability and, and really changed the way that people with with disabilities were viewed. Um, before that, they were written off. And, and and through Helen Keller's life, people with disabilities were seen to be able to live an actual full life. And it just totally changed the way that society viewed disability. Um, but I think Helen Keller was forever indebted to to, to, to her teacher, Ann Sullivan Macy, um, for her patience and her mercy, that that her teacher didn't just see the outbursts and the anger and this insolent child, but rather had mercy on her, seeing that the outbursts are really just a response to the darkness and and the deafness and, uh, and fear. And she continued in her patience to have mercy. And, and as we continue to look this week at this word chesed, uh, comes out of Micah 6.8, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. This word mercy is, is sort of a, a larger-than-one-word kind of Hebrew word. It means love, as we saw, kindness, and it also means mercy. Uh, th- this word Chesed, one of my favorite stories where it appears in the Old Testament, is in the story of Mephibosheth. Which, if you have a, a newborn and you're looking for a name, I highly recommend Mephibosheth. Uh, but we take it out of Second Samuel chapter nine. Uh, we we see uh, David and Saul are fighting. Uh, They've got these disagreements, Uh, Saul is trying to kill David, Uh, David's been anointed the future king, Uh, but Saul's son Jonathan is also David's best friend, and so there's sort of this soap opera thing happening a little bit. Um, Jonathan has a son named Mephibosheth, so Mephibosheth is the heir to the throne of Saul, Uh, and Saul and Jonathan go to battle, and on the same day are both killed. Uh, Mephibosheth's nurse hears news of this and knows that David is about to be anointed king and realizes that that this little boy Mephibosheth is actually the only uh, real opposition to David's throne realizes his life's at risk, and so she scoops him up when she catches wind of this news and starts to run out the door. She trips as she's running out uh, and, and drops, sort of falls on this little boy, breaking both of his legs. And for the rest of his life, Mephibosheth is crippled. And he's crippled and he's living in hiding uh, for fear of his life that David uh, is going to uh, is going to kill him. So uh, we pick it up, 2 Samuel chapter 9. Uh, and David said, is there still anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? That word again is chesed, loving kindness. Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and he called uh, to him David, and, uh, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, "Are you Ziba?" He said, "I am your servant." And the king said, "Is there not still someone in the house of Saul that I, am, I may show the kindness of God to him?" Chesed. Ziba said to the king, "There is still a son of Jonathan. he's crippled in his feet." The king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. Uh, so he is in hiding. Um, then King David sent and brought him to the house of uh, the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for such a dead dog as I? Uh, So political sort of standards in the day would be that David would have... Mephibosheth killed. He was uh, an opponent to the throne. He was really the only opposition to David's throne. But instead, out of this, 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 this covenantal love to Jonathan, uh, his best friend, he reaches out to Mephibosheth and actually restores all of Saul's lands to him. He gives him honor, he gives him dignity, he gives him riches, and he also gives him a place at his own table. Uh, and so it's this amazing act of mercy um, the word mercy sometimes is, is confused with grace. Um, grace, I, I believe that grace is, is, is receiving something that you don't deserve, right? Grace is, is unmerited favor. It's, it's blessing. it's a gift that's given. Mercy is, is not getting what you deserve. Uh, and so mercy is forgiveness. Mercy is, is not getting punished for something that you deserve to get punished for. And, and there's something about that here in this word, uh, that, that this loving mercy. Um, Jesus himself says that blessed are the merciful in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the merciful for they shall be shown. Mercy, the same idea. Um, and I love what Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's an old pastor and, and theologian, um, he said that the mercy is a sense of pity plus a desire to re- to relieve the suffering. And so as he says, blessed are the merciful, it's blessed are those who show pity. Um, and, and I think what he means by that is when we see others acting um, in ways contrary to the Jesus way, when we see people acting in sin, when people I see people acting in, in selfishness and like perhaps a blatant uh, hedonistic selfishness, um, uh, our first response can, can often be anger, uh, to get angry at them, especially when their selfishness is, is sort of pushing down and, 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 and is, is using other people, it, perhaps abusing other people. Uh, and we can, we can resolve to, to anger and, and bitterness, but instead I think we're called to show pity, this mercy. See, mercy changes how we view others, not just by their behavior, but by seeing a soul that is lost. Uh, You go back to um, Ann Sullivan Macy showing mercy to Helen Keller and not just judging her based on the behavior that she saw these outbursts. See, I think um, when we look at our world around us, what we really see is, is, is people who are lost. See, people who are desperately trying to find some kind of meaning in the midst of hopelessness. They're chasing after something temporary with the absence of the eternal, that there's something missing, that there's this lostness, this desperation for meaning and truth and happiness in the moment, and this grasping for whatever people can get their hands on. And I think as Christians, we will have hope. I think there's something about showing mercy, meaning taking pity on those who are simply just lost. Realizing that, that we too were just like them, seeing others in sin, in their sin, as dupes and victims to the slavery to sin, the same way that we once were. You look at, at, at Helen Keller and the mercy, not, not in response to the outbursts, but rather to the condition that she's in and having mercy on her. You see uh, David showing mercy to Mephibosheth, having pity on, on, on this young man who is expecting condemnation, um, showing that kind of mercy, taking pity. And, and we see it as well in, in the Good Samaritan, who reaches out and, uh, and loves this, this broken man, shows him mercy, even though culturally there should have been uh, sort of uh, just walking by and ignoring, perhaps even cursing. And what we see is that in the ultimate act of mercy is that God himself looking down on our pitiable estate Looking at humanity in that great act of mercy sent his own son to relieve our suffering, our situation, um, not being disgusted by our sin and our desperation, but mercy, not giving us what we actually are due and instead giving us grace. And so um, as we are called to love mercy, to love this loving kindness, mercy, It's a matter of looking out at other people, looking out at our valley in a world that is, frankly, very lost, doing things that just make no sense to us who understand the truth of the Bible. But rather than being angry or writing them off or dismissing them, it's a matter of how can we have mercy, realizing that they are simply trying to find some kind of hope in the midst of a hopeless life. They're trying to find some kind of truth where they're told there is no truth. And how can we have mercy on those and show pity through mercy and grace um, looking through the behavior, through the actions to the heart which is the same heart that we have been rescued because of the mercy of Jesus alone and we would be in the same situation doing the exact same things were it not for the miraculous work of grace of Jesus in our life. Um, And so as we look at our valley and as we look at outreach and as we look at caring for other people who can be really intimidating, I think it starts in some ways there. Not at at anger and disgust over their actions, but showing mercy, having that pity, knowing that we too were once sinners lost, but we are saved by grace and we have the truth and the hope and the joy of eternity. We know Jesus. Um, And so I think it, it, it really changes the way that we view the behavior of people around us not with judgment, but with mercy. Let's pray. God, thank you for the mercy that you've shown us. God, and that you continue to show us, though our behavior often often is an offense to you. God, we thank you for your mercy, that you continue to offer us forgiveness. And God, I pray that as as we see the world around us, that that would also be our identity, that we would show mercy to those who are hurting, those who are lost, those who are suffering that we would have mercy, that kind of merciful pity, and that we would reach out with a love and kindness to extend the hope that we have in you. God, give us those hearts, your heart. In your name we pray, amen. Once again, we're we're with you, we're for you. If there's anything that we can do to help uh, in this journey alongside you, uh, just let us know. Just reach out and let us know. Have a great day.